Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. African World Cup qualifiers continue this week. Here's a look at Tuesday's results. Burkina Faso 3-0 over Ethiopia. Rwanda 2-0 over South Africa. They've been a bit of a surprise in Group C. Uh, Morocco get the 2-0 win over Tanzania. And Ghana continue to struggle. A 1-0 loss to Comoros. Uh, right now, we are very excited to bring in our good friend, Mbizo Zamane, for more on the African World Cup qualifiers. But first, we have to talk about the Jamaica kit that you are rocking. <laughs> Let's go. I love it. Repping the yard, man, them. Yes, thank you. Uh, this is uh, Jamaica's part of the diaspora, so I'm happy for them. Delighted yeah, for them. I know. We just finished talking about their performance against Canada. Very, It's going to set up a very exciting semifinal against the United States in that CONCACAF Nations League semi. We're excited for that one. Yes, ma'am. All right, let's chat uh, some African World Cup qualifiers. Um, I mentioned uh, Rwanda has been a, a bit of a, a surprise in, in Group C. What have they been doing well? What's the secret behind their success so far? Well, I, to be very frank, I'm not sure what they're doing so correct on the footballing side, but Rwanda as a nation uh, is actually one of the pride and joys of the continent at the moment with one of the fastest growing economies. Uh, it's an incredibly clean and organized nation. Uh, so I think that this organization, this structure is extending to their football performances and it's been actually absolutely spectacular to watch for the neutral. For the Bafana Bafana fan, <laughs> it's been a bit devastating. Uh, we were hoping to be able to maybe open up a gap against our age-old rivals, uh, Nigeria. But Rwanda has, has absolutely been very impressive, uh, sitting obviously on top of Group C, uh, and demonstrating what, uh, what I had said before, which is that this group will not be a cakewalk for anyone, um, despite their, their low ranking. Uh, a lot of uh, variables in play in this group, and uh, it's, it's absolutely in tatters. It's, uh, it's exciting to watch. All right, you mentioned Nigeria, Bizo. Uh... What's going on? I'm, I'm scared for Nigeria. I was excited for Bafana Bafana getting that first win for you. I was thinking about you. Then suddenly Rwanda's coming into the mix. What's up with uh, Nigeria at the moment? Are, are, are you concerned that they, they tied Lesotho, who's what Lesotho's yeah. one of the, in, in the hundreds in the FIFA ranking. Are, are you concerned for Nigeria? Uh, long term, I'm not concerned. Okay, uh, medium to long term, I'm not concerned, but certainly there's a lot of discontent coming out of uh, the, co the country right now. Um, a lot of people feel that uh, Becerro is not really um, aware of the players' uh, strengths. Uh, they've questioned the starting lineups that he's brought uh, to these games. Um, there's been a, a number of, uh, of concerns raised, certainly, um, with my contacts and, and some of the networks that I have uh, in the country. They're not pleased at all and are maybe looking for a, a change in leadership as early as now. Uh, but long term, I believe that Nigeria can correct ship. 
I hope that they can correct ship, uh, to be very frank. But uh, I think it's also down to uh, the performances of these other nations. I think everyone is motivated by the fact that there are more spots uh, and everybody truly believes that they might have an opportunity, even if it's as a, a second place best uh, runner up. So uh, we're looking at uh, a very complicated African qualifying uh, group, but all of them are. All of them are. There have been surprises in, in every single one. Okay, let's talk about okay. Group F. <laughs> Ivory Coast just beat my father's country, Gambia, 2-0. Uh, they haven't conceded yet. They've scored 11 goals. How legit are Ivory Coast? Are you impressed by what they've been able to do so far? Absolutely. Uh, they've gone back to more of the Ivory Coast that we've come to know in recent history. And again, they have a lot of very young and talented players scattered all across the world, uh, and obviously most of them in Europe. Uh, and they're playing some very, very exciting football. Um, I think one would have expected them to be sitting on top of this group. Um, but not with the ease uh, with which they've done so. Um, but it, it's it's obviously very exciting for, for the elephants and um, for them also to be demonstrating this kind of firepower and this kind of organization so close to the AFCON will also be promising for them because they're hoping that they can carry this performance uh, through the tournament as well and maybe even come out victorious. Uh, let's talk a little uh, bit about a team that's not doing so well uh, and that in Ghana. What is going on with Ghana? They just beat, they just lost to Comoros. Talk to me about Ghana. Should we be worried? If, if I'm Ghanaian, I'm worried. Uh, and not solely on the basis of these uh, performances, but uh, as I've stated, they've been they've been poor for quite some time. They've been below uh, the required level for quite some time. And I think that uh, this was already a complicated group for them. I think um, with with teams like Mali in there who are absolutely top notch. Um, you know, but you would have expected them to get the points against minnows like uh, Comoros, Madagascar, Central Africa, Republic, and Chad with with great ease. Uh, so I think the Black Stars really need to uh, do some soul searching and some reflecting. Um, perhaps uh, Chris Hooten's head is on the chopping block. Um, so we, we, we pay close attention to that to see what they do moving forward. But certainly Ghanaian fans, uh, Ghanaian football proponents, they are not pleased with the performances. They're not pleased with the results. Uh, and it's very likely that we see uh, a change in, in management, in leadership. Soon. Oh, they need it. They, they, they need to drop him. Yeah, they need something. They need to shake it up a little bit. He, he's never been an attacking style, attacking, attack-minded coach. Always a coach that's playing on the back foot, and that's not going to suit. When you have Mohamed Kudus starting on your bench, losing to Comoros, it's curtains. Time for a change. No bueno. No bueno. Um, let's chat about some of the, 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 the favorites here uh, in Bizo. Egypt continue to roll. My guy, Mo Salah, scoring lots and lots of goals. When you <laughs> what? Yeah. Why are you always you Not always a looking shot. at no, me? I, I love it. I got to. I got to. Um, do Liverpool <laughs> mentions in the show by Susanna, like a little ticker. Thank you very much. Uh, but when you think about some of the the favorites, uh, who, which teams have been the most convincing for you so far in these qualifiers? Uh, I mean, we, we just discussed one. Ivory Coast, of course, has been quite convincing. Algeria has done expect, uh, exactly as we've expected of them. Um, I think sitting on, on six points, uh, professional job done and dusted. Uh, Egypt, of course, as well, with a, an emphatic win as well, where uh, your boy uh, grabbed himself a hat trick. So uh, you're, you're looking at great, great performances from them. Uh, I'd rate that uh, Tunisia as well, uh, pretty, you know, 
pretty easy job they've done so far, uh, and their group is not particularly menacing. I'd expect them to come out of the group uh, with, with great ease. So, so those teams there are, are cruising at the moment. Amazing. Well, we, um, we chatted earlier in the show about that uh, Brazil-Argentina match. You are obviously in, in Brazil based there. Just curious to, to kind of get your thoughts on the, the scenes that we saw ahead of the game, uh, the game being delayed, and then the result for Argentina and sort of the state of Brazil. What do you, what do you make of it, Mbizo? Well, as far as the, the, you know, the fan violence and so on, and actually police violence as well is concerned, it, it's very lamentable. And uh, I think many, many Brazilians and many proponents of the Brazilian game are worried that the image of Brazilian football and their ability to host large matches has been tarnished uh, over the course of the Copa Libertadores. And of course, now with this uh, super classical fan violence. Um, and, and for me, a lot of this comes down to poor organization. I mean, it's really unfathomable that you can have uh, in a game of this magnitude uh, with the kind of circumstances that we have with Brazil doing so poorly, Argentina doing so well on the back of a World Cup win, to not have a barrier separating the fans or to not have security uh, nearby already, um, level-headed security, ensuring that uh, these fans don't, don't get into it. And, and again, just like Libertadores, there's a lot of um, conflicting reports about who started uh, this fracas and, and who's responsible for it. But, but it's another demonstration of uh, the necessity for uh, better uh, organization on the part of uh, Brazilian authorities in Canambol as well. As far as the loss is concerned, uh, bitterly disappointing. Obviously, it's a historic win for Argentina in Brazil uh, in a World Cup qualifier. Uh, but I, I think a lot of us, and I say us because I, I'm definitely included in this, are extremely disappointing with the officiating. Um, I, I thought it was well below the level necessary at this level. I mean, there were times where uh, if one didn't know any better, they'd, they'd almost say that somehow uh, the referee was coerced into some of these calls. I mean, it, it, it was really, really poor. Um, Brazil, I think, performed the best they have done in quite some time, uh, at least as far as uh, the hunger and the drive to succeed, to play their game. Um, and, and I think a lot of that is, is down to Denise, and I think he deserves some credit with that. Uh, and despite the loss, despite the uh, being at the lowest point, I think, in recent Brazilian history, I think this team demonstrated that they have some youngsters who are prepared to step up uh, for this future generation. I thought Rodrigo was absolutely brilliant. I thought Andre, um, in the center of the park next to Bruno Guimarães, was, was absolutely brilliant. So I think there's a lot to be said for uh, Brazil's performance, despite being in this transitional period, unlike Argentina, despite having a new coach, um, I, I think they demonstrated some positives that uh, Seleção can probably build on moving forward. But right now, we're mourning. We're mourning. Mm. Mm. Well, Embizo, well, um, it's uh, it's Thanksgiving Day here tomorrow in in the states. I don't I don't think they celebrate Thanksgiving in Brazil, but um, we just want to tell you how thankful. We are to you Aww. and uh, your incredible intel every time we speak. Um, so happy Thanksgiving from us. Oh, thank you so much for that. That is, that is so sweet. Uh, I'm going to eat. Good. Uh, it won't, but I'm going to stuff my face. As you should. Well deserved. Um, all right, y'all, we're going to take a break. Uh, Lisa's going to be back with some more headlines on the other side. Don't go anywhere. What I'm most thankful for on Thanksgiving is happiness, health, family, the real one, and my Golasso Network family. Oh man, there's a few things. One, how about um, getting engaged? What I'm most grateful for is my family. 
but I'm also really thankful that Mo Salah didn't leave Liverpool. I couldn't do it without them, so um, I am so grateful for my family and uh, I'm very lucky. My favorite Thanksgiving food is all of them. I know turkey might be what's popular for you in your house, but it's a little bland for my house, so we do benin with the rice, the beans. Mashed potatoes, the stuffing, the turkey, putting it all in a big pile on my plate with the vegetables, dumping gravy all over it. It is absolutely incredible, and to me, there is no Thanksgiving without it. So thanks to everybody here, the crew, the cast, the producers, everybody, honestly, because it's been an incredible ride. Yeah. Happy so Thanksgiving. So thankful for Mo Salah. From, yeah. I, I love that all of you are like so heartfelt and I'm like, I'm thankful that Mo Salah continues to score goals for Liverpool. Yeah. I, I, just, I thought we were going you. like, I support you. thank you. I think I did something similar. I also want to make it clear to both my family and the crew, I, th I said thank you to you guys as well. They just didn't use that at all. They just had me talking about pork shoulder the entire time. I said thank you to the crew, to the staff, my family, my you wife. Said, thank you nothing. for that. I know. I would, I would like, like Edit all of that out. Just get him salivating about that pork. drumstick. <laughs> I am also thankful for my my family and my friends and yeah. all of my my family here at the Galazzo Network. Most so, is your third. Most is further down the list than that. I swear. Hey, my, my, I swear. My, my my boys love most salad too. Okay. See, there we go. Me and the well, Davies. You said boys. to your family. Also, you. Lisa, I'm the, with the you. On the whole thing, because you if you got to get that yeah. bite with everything, way. right? Yes, that's the that's, only way to eat That's what makes it a hundred percent. All on not one agree more. spoon and one fork. And Alexis, it's no surprise you're talking about food. I mean, it's day three here, and you talk about food every segment. It's wonderful. Yeah, that's his thing. I did think. That's thank, I did think yeah. the crew, of my family. pizza. Yeah, my family. My family pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Grease. Let's talk some news and some headlines because there is a lot. Last night we start with the most surprising development out of last night's match. Argentina head coach Lionel Scaloni making the stunning revelation that he isn't sure if he's going to continue leading the reigning World Cup champions. Speaking after last night's historic 1-0 World Cup qualifying win over Brazil, Scaloni said he needs to think about his future and whether he has the energy to keep going in the only head coaching role he has ever held. Scaloni said, quote, these players have given a lot to the coaching staff, and I need to think a lot about what I'm going to do. It's not a goodbye or anything, but I need to think because the bar is very high, and it's complicated to keep going, and it's complicated to keep winning. In other international soccer news, Euro 2024 hosts Germany continue their struggling ways with a 2-0 friendly loss to Austria yesterday. The defeat was Germany's second in November after a 3-2 loss. The Germans have lost six of their past 10 matches with new head coach Julian Nagelsmith mirrored in a three-match winless run since taking over for Hansi Flick in September. After yesterday's loss, Nagelsmann said, quote, we have to accept there's simply an incredible amount of work ahead of us in all positions. Nico, Germany's had a disappointing World Cup and they've continued to struggle. Even after getting a new head coach, where have all these issues been stemming from? It's more of a federation issue because it's easy to point at Nagelsmann now, even though I think it was the wrong hire, we talked about it, and it was a short-term fix rather than a long-term fix given the fact that his contract only runs through the Euro, but he's gonna have to prove whether he's the guy because as of now, it's been totally underwhelming. There's a situation similarly to the Dest 
situation that happened in the Germany friendly against Austria. I feel like if there was a manager that held more respect onto the group, Leroy Zane wouldn't have acted in the way that he acted in getting that, that, that red card pushing, pushing the player forward. Mm. Usually you don't see those type of outbursts from German players. And I, I don't think their squad is that impressive either. Their nine is Nikas Fulkuk. With all due respect, yeah, he's good for the Bundesliga. He's had a good season, one good season, that just got him into the World Cup squad. Half a semester probably, one semester. We're so used to Miroslav Klose, Mario Gomez. It's, uh, if Germany doesn't have a good Euro performance, I would say this is a prolonged crisis that continues. Mm. Yeah, and I can't argue with that. It also, I mean, it just makes me feel even worse, though, about the U.S. result. I know it was a friendly against Germany, but they weren't even, I mean, Germany wiped the floor with us, but considering in they're the half. in the second First half. half was good. But in, in context of their poor form lately, I'm like, where are we? I don't know, from, like, that kind of sheds a spotlight on where we're at with the U.S. If Germany's struggling and we can't really compete with Well, Germany's struggling. Yeah. It's not because of talent, right? They have Gundogan. It's the third time we say this about a nation on this, on this, team, on this show. <laughs> right. yeah, no, I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have world-class players. Yeah. This is uh, Musiala, Florian Wirtz, Sané, uh, Gundogan, Ter Stegen. You, you, you have players. And Havertz played left back yesterday. Right. So Havertz, Kai Havertz has mm. been has been so below par for, for what his ability is with Arsenal, with Germany. He's playing left back. You're telling me it's it's not the manager? Kai Havertz playing left back? What? What result did, did you expect? Was, he did agree. He did agree to play left back. No, well, the coach, oh, the coach goes, I'm just saying, send me home, coach. <laughs> Don't jump on me. I'm simply saying it wasn't like he was thrown into the position without knowing that's what he was coming into this camp to do. Oh, you think he, he came into the camp going, I, I know I'm going to play left back. That's what they told him. And he's, he agreed. They asked him yeah, if he was maybe the day before. Agreed. If you're going to play, uh, you know, an attacking, uh, you know, roaming forward uh, left back, Kai Havertz isn't a terrible option if he's in form. It's not a terrible option. All, Defensively, all I'm saying is not a great option. If you look at some of the players that they have, which I would say are world class, yeah, there should not be an issue with this German side. The only it's issue how is they are managed. It is how they're managed. It's it's how intent the intensity that they're playing with, right? So yes, you can look at the players. They're not performing. But are they set up to perform? Are they getting the right mix of talent on the pitch? Mm. That's the issue. That's fair. Fair assessment. Well said, Charlie Davies. All right. We're going to take a break. Um, we've got plenty more to come on Morning Footy when we return after a quick timeout. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Well, on Monday, Gotham FC celebrated their NWSL championship at Red Bull Arena. Here's some of the scenes from that celebration. Alexis, where are you? Unfortunately, was not there. What the I heck? wish I was. I know. But I'm happy. I'm happy that the team finally did something to celebrate this uh, this great accomplishment. Uh, you know, there was 
sort of leaked emails coming from the team from some folks saying, we didn't even know we were going to win. It yeah. Was surprised, but they got to celebrate. They got something. Um, and check this out. We got another good one on a, kicking it this week. Kate, Clint, Mo, and Charlie sit down with the recently crowned NWSL champion and finals MVP Midge Purse. She spoke in the episode about the recent hire of Emma Hayes and how missing the World Cup helped her change the way she played in the second half of the season. Take a listen. So new management coming in and Emma Hayes, how, how confident do you feel that under a new coach you can solidify your place in the UN, U.S. Women's National Team? I don't think my perspective is more of like, I'm sure I can solidify my role. It's more so I feel confident that I can be the best version of me and that I think the best version of me is good enough. Why now? <sighs> I think not making the roster and coming back has changed my perspective on how I approach games. Before, I would, I would go into like my Indoor games and I'd be like, I need to impress. Like, I need to put up a stat. Like, if I don't come back with like these goals or these assists, then I'm not gonna make the roster. And the truth is, that's actually what the situation was. It wasn't just about, in, in my opinion, for me, it wasn't just about putting on a good performance and saying, oh, she's quality. It was like, I need to have- Numbers to back it up. Numbers to back it up. And that kind of mindset when you're forward, I don't know if you've had that experience, it changes your decision making. It like makes, or for me, it made me make poorer decisions. And after the World Cup, I really just played just to be like a dog. Like it, it was not about like, I need to score in this game. I was happy with assists. I was, I usually am not happy with assists. I was happy with wins if I put in a good performance and that got me farther than the other approach, I think. This episode of Kicking It now available on Paramount Plus and in podcast form, along with all the other past episodes, including guests Carly Lloyd, Landon Donovan, Thierry Henry, and uh, many, many more. Charlie, that was an interesting conversation. Very. With Mitch, do you very, know what I loved about that too was that it was right after they won the NWSL championship. She was named MVP of the of the game, and so to get that kind of raw reaction from her and sort of. That what a roller coaster she's been on this season without not making the World Cup roster. And then to the NWSL championship and being named MVP, that had to have been a kind of fascinating peek inside her mind. It, it was. And also just to get a, a glimpse at how she was raised. Her father made an appearance on the show. So it was the first time we had a parent come on the show. Uh, and, you know, he was a single father. Mm. Uh, which is also something you don't typically hear. And so having uh, a backstory of how he would drive her all over the country um, just in a, in a pickup truck and they'd have these conversations, uh, it, it was truly impressive how he wanted education to be the foundation of, of her life to set her up for success. She went to Harvard, which, yeah. which, which is unconventional for a professional athlete. You, know, you typically don't think, I gotta go to Harvard to, to make the national team or-, or <laughs> That's no, where the pros are gonna see Cup, me right? at the Ivy League. Um, <laughs> Jeremy Lin went to Harvard? Jeremy yeah. Lin? Lin yeah. Sanity, yeah. yeah he went to Lin Sanity. But she has a remarkable work ethic. Um, you know, and it's, a, it's so easy to kind of give up if you don't make your, your goals like a World Cup roster in the middle of a season, you know, trying to get out of your head, being, fight, fighting that depression, but it fueled her. And, I, and I, I remember reaching out to her saying, don't let this ham, ha mm. hamper your, your trajectory, right? I feel like she, she grew a lot as a player in the past year or two, and you're starting to see that finished product. And when you have that, 
you, you make the jump to the next level. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, I, and I see that potential, that it still needs to be realized. And she's moving in the right direction. And, and after that NWSL championship, it feels like she sees it now too. Yeah. She sees the light at the end of the tunnel. A new manager with Emma Hayes. The future is still bright for her. Very cool. Um, can't wait to check that one out. That is streaming now on Paramount+. Plus. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. Uh, the MLS Cup playoffs continue this weekend. We are chatting the Seattle Sounders and their semifinal matchup with LAFC. That's coming up after a quick break. MLS Cup playoff action resumes this weekend with the conference semis on Saturday. The East will see Coach of the Year Pat Noonan in Cincinnati host Philadelphia and Orlando will take on Columbus. Then on Sunday, Houston Dynamo will take on Sporting Kansas City and the Seattle Sounders will host reigning champs LAFC. So let's chat a little bit about the Seattle Sounders team. Uh, a perennial playoff team. Last year was the first time in their entire MLS existence that they did not make the postseason, they finished in 11th place. In fact, it was the first time they finished outside of the top four, which is pretty staggering. It goes to show you how successful this club has been. This year, it's been a different story. They end up finishing second in the West, just behind um, St. Louis, three points behind them. And it's an interesting turnaround, Charlie, because Very. they... Last season when they didn't make the postseason, I think we put a lot of blame on CONCACAF Champions League and the, the effort that they put into winning that and that, that CCL hangover at, that we called it at the time. I know it's CONCACAF Champions Cup now. Back then it was CCL, just to be clear, just to be clear. Um, but this year they've kind of returned to form but in almost a quiet way, Charlie, because when you look at the numbers of the team and the, and the stats, it's not like like Jordan Morris had, I believe, 11 goals leading the team for them. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't there wasn't the Raul Rui Diaz who was putting up crazy numbers like we've seen in the past. So when you think about the turnaround that they've had this year and kind of getting back into this playoff position, where do you think that comes from? I would say defensively, they've been so sound. Only 32 goals that they've given up this season. And Yamar is, is at the heart of it. Stefan Fry has obviously been one of the most consistent goalkeepers over the years. But Yamar and Jackson Reagan, that partnership with the center backs, I think Nuhu is another player who it's kind of been a wild card, but defensively super strong just because you know what you're going to get from them. I just think there's consistency defending. They're organized. Uh, João Paulo and uh, Joshua Tencio has also been a breakout mm. youth player to come through the ranks and, and start alongside João Paulo. But Nuhu, Jackson Reagan, Yamar, and Alex Roldan, it's a, it's a real strong back four. They're in line. They're organized. They understand each other, the, the defensive responsibilities. And Stefan Fry in behind them, that's been their, their foundation. 
And then Jordan Morris just towing the line. I mean, he's only started 23 games this year. It's not like he's been healthy throughout yeah. the year. Just You look at 11 goals from Jordan Morris and him playing central. You have Raul Ruiz Diaz coming off the bench, which is kind of unheard of. It sounds strange just to say. Um, they just have an identity, and it's been a sneaky season because it's not like they're blowing teams out of the water. Yeah. They've just been consistent. It's almost like this quiet, consistent form that they've had. They've played LAFC twice this season. They lost 1-0. They drew 0-0. I think this game is going to be low scoring. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a great match. Give credit to like the Leo Chus and the mm -hmm. Rusnak. Rusnak is a great pickup for them. Just one of those players that when he was on uh, RSL, you could tell he was like, oh, he's a step above some of the players that, at that time that he was playing around. And for him to go to Seattle, I mean, you would, you would assume that's the type of player you build around if you're RSL. For him to go to Seattle and sort of just fit in, be one of the other pieces, mm. high level of consistency. Leo Chu, obviously, we, we, I just mentioned. But I don't, Seattle hasn't beaten LAFC since 2021. This feels, I, I don't but that know. Was that was also in the playoffs. That was in the playoffs. This doesn't feel like the team that's going to come that, that are going to allow, um, that I should say that LAFC can, are going to be beaten by. This feels like a team that LAFC can sort of play with. Even at Lumen Field, yeah. which is a very difficult place, very difficult to, play, place to play, super loud. And they've been good at home. Masters of the turf. And this is, I, I, but, but we have to, this is a team that, that has won two MLS Cups as well. You know, I mean, this is, they have that, they have that pedigree. And I know LAFC is, are the reigning champs, but I, I think that this is going to be a really interesting matchup. And I, I, I think you're kind of spot on, Charlie, about the low scoring affair. I think this could be just kind of a chess match between the two. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go back in the season, the Seattle Sounders season, when Jordan Morris got put at the nine, remember in that game that they, like one of the few games that they did blow somebody Sporting out of the Kansas water? City. Sporting Kansas Sporting City. Kansas City. And, and they didn't have Raul Ruiz, I believe, because he was injured. Remember Jordan Morris had the hat trick? Yeah, we and talked about Morris, whether he would be the number four nine. Goals. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, when he was like one, uh, two, and three. And they moved him to the nine, and Brian Schmetzer found a way to make, make it work. And silently, it's just, I, I don't feel like they're specifically an attractive team by the names that they have. They, it's not, and it's, but it is By the funny. hour that they play also on the West. It's, it's a difficult team to, for the country to rally behind to become one of the headline teams of, of the league considering all the other headlines, but silently, and I don't think they care too much to be that team. Well, as Jordan Morris gets older, right, he, he was a nine in college. Klinsman brings him in as a nine playing in a two-striker system. Remember, him and Bobby Wood were playing with each other. He always had the pace. And unfortunately for Jordan, Jordan Morris, you had a Raul Ruiz Diaz. You had a Clint Dempsey before that. You know, you weren't playing the nine, but you have to find a place for Jordan Morris. So he had to settle as a winger. But as you get older and you're not running up and down the channels like you used to, even though he still has that burst of pace a little bit, you want to get in front of goal, back to goal, use your body, Make those runs in behind center backs if your team is playing a little bit more defensive to open it up as a nine. Now you're starting to see him, I think, thrive in that position, the position he always played. And he probably wants to play. Yeah, you always want to play central. As a winger, when you get older, we see Cristiano Ronaldo when, you know, at, at the younger age being a winger up and down. You want to simplify things. Let me just get in the box. Let me just get on the end of crosses. And I think that's where you're starting to see Jordan Morris now say, this is the next chapter of my career. 
I want to be the nine and play centrally. Hmm. Do you think the MLS Cup champion emerges from this match? Ooh. Ooh, that, that is a great question. Full of great questions. <laughs> no. No, yeah, no. I don't think so either. No. Mm -mm. It feels like it's Cincinnati's year. You think the East? Ooh. Do you, th yeah. do you think you it's think coming the from the East? You think the support takes down yeah. MLS Cup? Yeah. I, I remember, I, I, know I also picked St. Louis. So don't go with me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe don't go with this. I can it's tell true. you Philly, Philly feels extremely confident going into Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. They feel oh, real confident. That game is going to be so good. They, they're really confident, the union going to Cincinnati. I really want to know what... Jim Curtin's going to do. He's always got same, same with Schmetzer. There's like a quiet. I don't think trickery. Schmetzer gets enough credit, honestly. I mean, this guy. He came in when he took over as head coach for Ziggy Schmidt had gotten fired, and they were at the bottom of the standings. And then he leads them to MLS Cup that year, and they have been outside of last season, which I think is an anomaly. They've been. At or near the top every single year. They've won two MLS Cups. I just, I don't think, I don't think Schmetzer gets his shine enough. He's a legend in, in, a, in a weird way because I remember that year that he took over. We're like, who is this guy? Yeah, I think that's he the looks like a math teacher. Yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm like, this guy's running does. for comptroller. He's not Seattle born and raised, isn't he? <laughs> he is. He is. He is. He played his, for the team. He played. He played for the team before they were in MLS. His family had a store. It was like Schmetzer's Sports Goods. Like it was like a a sporting store, and people would buy all their soccer equipment from the Schmetzers. Huh. And he and he had all these strange jobs. He was before. lacing the boots. He was a carpenter at one point. Like he must have some sick kids. Oh, for sure. Some sick NASL kids. I, I'm tangent. Um, I <laughs> am surprised that you haven't come up with like a caribou's kid, Colorado caribou. Oh, caribou's? With, the with the fringe. With the fringe. I'm I have looked. That you, out of all people, I have, bring I have, I have looked. I have Friday looked. You know what? I, I think she's coming with it at some point. I found <laughs> one. I found one online, and it was it was crazy expensive. It was like, like it was like three hundred bucks, and I was like, this is this is a lot. This hey, is a lot. Hey, Ian, here's your here's your uh, Christmas present. Christmas gift. Yeah. Yeah. You know Ian, what? you're listening. If that, if that, if Get I open that up, she's gonna be like, Take that would this honestly bag. be one of the best presents the, ever. Oh no, you don't want something shiny. You want to care? You want a fringe kid? I do. All right. Have you seen that? These no. things are great. Forty Kid Friday ends there. We stop doing seriously. Kid Friday. I, I have to find and I don't want to. You bring that. I don't want to do that to everyone. Sue's Birkin <laughs> Caribou kit. I'll give me that Caribou kit. Really? Like yeah. Birkin. American soccer culture. Birkin. It's in the soul. Yeah, nah. Suze, I don't need your Birkin. Nah, bro. I don't need no Birkin. Give me the fringe. Give uh -uh. me a failed team's kit. <laughs> All right, guys, we're taking another break. Um, we're going to chat some Uruguay on the other side. Stick around. Welcome back to Morning Footy, chatting Conmebol World Cup qualifiers. Here's a look at Tuesday's results. Uh, we already chatted about that Argentina-Brazil match, but uh, Uruguay continued to roll a 3-0 win over Bolivia. Uruguayo. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nico, Uruguay are cooking. They are. And they have an identity. Bielsa. Tell us about it. What is this new identity? Bielsa has had 27 days to work with the players in total. That is his net time in charge with this national team. 
And they have an identity, they have conviction, they have talent, they have moved on from the golden generation that put them in so many positions of success with which they won a Copa America, with which they played a World Cup uh, semi-final and, and managed so many incredible results. It was like Forlan to Cavani and, to and Suarez. Suarez. And so many other players that it's, the, the, it's funny because what I was showing you guys yesterday, the Uruguayan Instagram put a picture of somebody's ankle with a tattoo and the, the tattoo said, had the date of the Copa America in 2011. And the, the community manager goes, guess who? And Vinya, who's on the team, <laughs> responds, who, who do you think it is, community manager? We're all in high school when, when that happened. It's very representative of how this team has progressed and the way that Bielsa has been able to indoctrinate his type of style meshed with the Uruguayan fight. They call it Garra Charrua. Charrua is the, hmm. uh, the original name of, of, of the natives of of Uruguay and garra, which means claw. And that's how they represent themselves. That's their, their national saying. Combine that with the intensity of, of Bielsa's tactics and the way that he plays football and the relentlessness. And it, it is incredible to watch. Mm -hmm. Were you, so when, when they announced that he was going to take over as manager for, for Uruguay, did you, did you foresee this? Did you think it was, he was the right man for the job? I mean, it felt like an interesting match because there's, you bring in two components to, to a game that usually, that needed almost a little bit of progress. Uruguay with Washington Tavares, their historic manager with which they experienced all of this uh, success previously, it felt like that process and that style and that uh, way of playing, the mantra, if you will, it was getting old, it was getting stale. And they, they couldn't find it in Diego Alonso and Bielsa just took it to a different direction and, and really gave Uruguay that good feeling of, of bite, of hustle, of organization again that, that they were really missing. Now look at this, most goals scored in World Cup qualifiers. They've got 13. Uh, Darwin Nunez had a brace in he's this one. He's been flying. playing really, I think he has, he's been one of those players under Bielsa that has just sort of been unleashed, which is wonderful, obviously wonderful for me to see as a, a Liverpool fan, but how much confidence that can give you when you're performing that well for your country. Um, you would hope that trickles down to the, the club level as well. But I, I, I love the faith that Bielsa has, has shown in Darwin you know, Nunez. You know what, I think Uruguay looked at this as, hey, we're gonna take a big swing. Yes, it's, it's a risk to bring in a manager like Bielsa, but it's worth it. We're trying to send a message to Conambo that we're for real. We mm -hmm. want to go after the Copa America. And for 2026, I, I think when you talk about moving on from a Suarez and a Cavani, look at the youth in this team. Pelistri, who can't really get a proper chance at, at Manchester United, but he's super talented, 21 years old. Uh, Oliveira, who plays at LAFC, 21 years old. Uh, Darwin Nunez, 24 years old. They have a Valverde who's been sensational with Real Madrid. They have a lot of talented youth in this side. I'm really high on Uruguay. And they missed Ugarte, Ugarte was suspended, who's essentially their starting midfielder, their starting center defensive midfielder. He tore up the field against Argentina, we talked about it. And they bring in Bentancur, who's fresh off of injury, and who's one of the best players yesterday which is incredible to see. And, and Bielsa was very complimentary in a very Bielsa way 
um, about the facets of and the characteristics of the game that Bentancur brings to the table, who's a complete package. So not only that, in most areas, they're 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 pretty they're deep as well. I, I just want to say, some of you probably know I'm Javier Gwine. I don't know that side too well. Yeah, uh, I <laughs> I don't know that side too well. But the one thing I do know from having spoken to some of those, those family members, when they talk about the Uruguayan side, it's that Garra Charrua that you talk about. It's that never give up. It's a small country, three and a half million people, but never give up. Find a way to win. Leave it all on the pitch, which has been you know the excuse for Suarez with the biting and other things that have mm -hmm. happened on the pitch. It's that fight to never give up, to never lose. And it seems like Bielsa's whole ethos, his whole system, fits perfectly with that. So the fact that it's worked out so well surprises me because he's nicknamed El Loco for a reason. You know what I mean? He can be sometimes a little too detail-laden, a little too in the, in the mud with some of, those, uh, some of that information. But to see it transition so quickly and so well with this youth product, going away from a Godin and some of those names that traditionally would sort of, you know, get entrenched and, and defend, 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 and try to catch them on the transition, to find a different way to turn this into a transition mm -hmm. team is quite beautiful. I also want to give a shout-out to... Um, I can't remember his name now, from uh, Bolivia. Uh, Martin, Mo Moreno, no, no, Marcelo Marco. Moreno Martins. <laughs> Marcelo Moreno Martins, who uh, played his last game for his uh, national team. Oh. Um, and uh, goes away, goes, you know, retires as their top scorer ever. Obviously, Bolivia doesn't get a lot of shine, but he's one of those. Give him some fun. Yeah, so it's, it's Thanksgiving. I, I, I you know what? completely agree with you. I forget him. Thankfulness. <laughs> Benin. Benin is the Suarez even, when he was subbed off, they subbed him off yesterday before time was done. And Suarez, went for, for Suarez to recognize the greatness of a South American yeah. legend, because he absolutely is. It's like Echeverri and, uh, and Moreno Martins yeah. are, are up there as one of the Bolivian greats. And Very cool. Jaime Moreno. And, and, and excuse me, and Jaime Moreno as well. Yeah. yeah. Great an shout. Legend. Great shout, MLS Alexis. Legends as well. Uh, are they a, a sleeper to win Copa America? Not a dark horse, to be clear. Yeah. A sleeper. Yeah. Don't say dark horse around Nico if he hasn't had Mate yet. I, I don't think I, I don't think you can consider one of the most successful team in Copa America. How many stars history. do they have up there? Above yeah. their above they, their crest? They have you can't be a dark horse. They they have four because they they consider Uruguayans themselves consider they have four World Cups. Yeah. Because previous to the nineteen thirty World Cup, they won the world championship uh, two times before, which were the Olympics. So they count. They okay. count as four stars. You know what? I would too. Um, yeah. but they have titles. Also hosted the first ever World Cup. The most Copa Américas, um, I believe, are Argentina might have passed them by one. But regardless, mm -hmm. I don't think you can consider them a dark horse. But sleeper is sleeper is the sleeper. correct mm -hmm. terminology. And you think that they could? In my eyes, surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Some people. They look. They do look. Really, Population really of New York City eight and a half. Population of Uruguay, the entire country three and a half. Ooh. Wild. Great nugget, Alexis. Talent. Got. Dip it in and a manager. Sauce. Most World Cups <laughs> per capita. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. All right, guys. Uh, well, tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and while Morning Footy won't be airing, we'll still have plenty of footy for you right here on the Galazzo Network. We're going to be airing the best of our UEFA Champions League coverage, including the funniest and most entertaining moments of the season so far from Kate Abdo, Thierry Henry, Jamie Carragher, and Micah Richards. So be sure to watch the best of the UEFA Champions League airing on Thanksgiving right here on the Galazzo Network. And we're thankful. Uh, and we're thankful. We're grateful. We're so I love Actually, no, now that all, all three of you are here, I want you to know that I'm really thankful for Benin. 
Uh, yeah, me too. Pork shoulder. Yes. Pernil is mm -hmm. the big one. You can edit out everything else. <laughs> Who's making it tomorrow? Huh? Who's cooking? I don't know, but I'm eating it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, eating tomorrow, I can tell you. Oh, guys, uh, thank you so much for tuning yes. in. Um, we are grateful for you. Have a fantastic Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll see you on Friday. Enjoy.